Father, speak to us through your holy word, by your Holy Spirit, we pray, for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I wonder what uh, dreams and hopes you might have for your lives. I'm asking the confirmation candidates to start with, but I wonder what you might have, what all of you have, what dreams, what hopes you might have for your lives. And I'm not going to embarrass you by coming around with a microphone and asking that it's terribly tempting. Just think for a moment. What dreams, what hopes have you got? And if you're towards the end of life and thinking, oh, it's a bit late for that, God doesn't think so. So what dreams and hopes might you have? Isaiah 11 gives the people of God, of his day and us today, a vision of what God wants in terms of hopes and dreams. And it's this, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And his description of that vision is of the whole of creation at Harm in harmony with one another. The wolf and the lamb living alongside each other. The leopard lying down alongside the kid instead of killing it. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. And the small child safely, happily leading the lion and the leopard along because they have no fear of them. Because the whole of creation is living in peace and harmony with itself and with one another. That's the vision of where God's taking us as his people, as this creation. God's vision is not just about human beings. God's vision is about all the animals, about the whole earth, about the whole of creation and the well-being of it all. And how human beings are part and parcel of that, and how we fit into that, we have a particular role in it, but we are to live, we are aiming to live in harmony with the world in which we're set. So this is one of the things, um, walking around this week, particularly out in the rural areas, and being reminded of the, the absolute the crucial thing of human beings living with and in harmony with the creation around us. Not trying to destroy it, not over-exploiting it, though we are regularly, regularly guilty of doing so. So what vision for the environment, I wonder, have you got? Is it as big as God's vision? Our small hopes and dreams are quite right and proper within fulfilling God's purposes. But we need a really, really big vision. A vision of the whole of creation in harmony with itself and in harmony with the God who made it. A vision where children and childhood have the most fantastic most fulfilling, wonderful childhood they possibly could have. 
a vision in which the knowledge of God is seen in all the earth. I suppose one of my constant prayers for myself and for the church is simply this. Lord, help me to hold your kind of vision for the world, not the one that gets crushed down by my limited ability to believe and think that we could see the world transformed. Help me, help the church to keep your vision in view. And help us offer it to the world. Because it's not, people aren't, don't have this bigger vision. But God calls us to it because it's the vision he gives us that he has for the whole of creation. How might we get there? Well, actually, he kind of has helped us with the answer to that. In the first bit that we read... A shoot shall come out from the stock of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Oh, that's old. That's difficult language, isn't it? But you have to remember, Jesse was the father of David. David was the king. David was the king who came in fulfillment of the promise, the king to whom God gave the promise that he would always have someone who would reign over the people of God from his line from Jesse's line through David and so on. The promise of an eternal king. The promise of a Messiah. The promise of one who would come and bring about the salvation of of all peoples for all time. There was a kind of contemporary dream for Isaiah himself that they would see a new king rising up in the midst of the difficulties they faced in Isaiah's day. But this goes way beyond that and looks to the coming of the Messiah, the one who will bring all this about. And we're given a picture of what he will be like. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. And and this Spirit is the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, Spirit of counsel and might, Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek, the lowly of the earth. This is one of the descriptions of the one who would come who at his baptism would find the Spirit alighting on him and who would then demonstrate in his teaching and in his life and in his miracles that the Spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and fear of the Lord was on him. For to hold this vision high of where God wants to take all of creation, we have to acknowledge we cannot do it. It is God's vision, and God will ultimately bring it about, and he chooses to bring it about through David's greater son in the line of Jesse, the one on whom the Spirit descends, and the one who then sends the Spirit on the church, Jesus Christ the Lord. The only way we can hold this vision high is by keeping our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus, who died and rose again, and went up into, was taken up into heaven from where the Father and the Son sent the Spirit 
on the day of Pentecost and have been pouring the Spirit out on us ever since. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, but we need a really big vision of who Jesus is too. And we get that vision of Jesus through reading the Gospels, through reading, reading the New Testament. But actually, we also need to read the Old Testament, you see, because you can't understand Jesus fully unless you get into the old part. Now, I know it's difficult sometimes. But those of you who are being confirmed, if you want to keep growing as a disciple of Jesus, you have to keep reading the Bible. And you have to keep wrestling with it, and you have to keep admitting that sometimes it's boring. You have to keep admitting that sometimes you don't understand it. You have to keep admitting that sometimes you can't quite grasp it. And you have to keep saying to your sisters and brothers around you, please help me, and I promise I'll help you. Because that's how we have to go about reading the scriptures. Not just on our own, but together in community, discovering what God is saying to us through it as his people. Discovering what this vision is. Discovering more and more and more and more of Jesus. Because there is always more to discover of Jesus. And we're going to be discovering more of him and the Father and the Spirit forever and ever and ever. Which is a glorious prospect. So keep reading the Bible. Keep reading these scriptures, but doing it not on your, just on your own, but with others too. And grasp the vision of what Jesus is all about. Jesus is not just about rescuing me from my sin and taking me into heaven. Yes, he is about that. Yes, he does do that. But if we think that's all it's about, then we have missed the bigness of what it's all about. Because it's about the whole of creation being restored. Read Colossians chapter 1 when you go home. It's about the the knowledge of the glory of the Lord being across all the earth. It's about the whole of creation being in harmony. It's not just a quick rescue act for, for me to get me out of the mess that I've got myself in. But hallelujah, he does do that. And we need each other, as 1 Corinthians chapter 12 reminded us. We need each other. The Holy Spirit comes upon all of us. Later in the service in confirmation, I will, I will pray for the Spirit for each of those being confirmed. Now, that's not, that isn't that you haven't had the Holy Spirit before. Because everyone, when they come to Jesus Christ, everyone, when they place their lives in the hands of Jesus Christ receives the Spirit. You can't be a Christian without having the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit who gives us new birth and new life. But we need continually to be renewed in that Spirit and refilled with the Spirit and we, can, we need to discover more of the gifts of the Spirit and the gifts that he wants to give us. And as we go on and grow and mature, it might be that he will give us new gifts. It might be that he will call us to new tasks or new responsibilities. So those who have been confirmed this evening... One of the possible outcomes this evening is you will discover that you've got a new gift from God. It may be one of those listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but it might be something completely different. You may not realise it yourself, you may not see it for months, and then suddenly one of your sisters or brothers will turn around in a few, few months' time and say, do you know you're really good at? And it will be because the Spirit has gifted you. And please take risks. If you think God's given you a gift, try it out. Because you'll only find out by trying it. And one of the reasons we don't grow in in the use of of all the gifts that God gives us, all the skills and all the abilities, is because we don't practice them. 
I haven't seen the result, but I'm presuming Luke Donald is back at number one in the world. Yeah, he is. Thank you. He was about to do it, but... Uh, but um, the only reason that people like Luke Donald and Lee Westwood and, and Rory McIlroy are at the top of the golf is because they've practiced, 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 practiced until they're bored stiff with practicing, practicing, practicing. If they can do that with playing golf, why don't we do it as Christians with the gifts that God gives us? We are meant to be people who use the gifts of God and we have, it's by practice, by use that we grow and mature and discover them. So take a few risks and discover what gifts God has given. But one of the other things that 1 Corinthians 12 is there about is you have the Spirit, the Spirit gives you gifts, but it's a constant reminder, you cannot do this alone. You need each, we need each other. You don't have every gift under the sun. Of course, there's lots of clergy who think they have. Occasional bishops who fall into that trap too. We don't. We each need one another. We need one another's gifts. We need one another's abilities to help us follow Jesus more closely, to grow and to mature, to become better disciples, to be better witnesses of Jesus in the world, to create a community which is a better witness of Jesus in the world. We have to do it together. You can't follow Jesus on your own. So those of you who being confirmed, as well as reading the Bible and praying as you go, You must keep meeting with your brothers and sisters in Christ, especially the ones that you struggle with. It's dead easy to get on with the ones you like and the ones that are a bit, uh, who who like the same things as you. Um, But God has a nasty habit, or uh, nasty is probably the wrong word there. (laughs) God has a habit of putting us alongside people who aren't quite so easy. So, 1 Corinthians 12 reminds us that, you see, the Holy Spirit came on Jews and Greeks. Well, they struggled to get alongside each other quite often, uh, and slaves or free. This created all kinds of social turmoil for the early church, because God treated the masters and the slaves exactly the same. He, He treated the free people exactly the same as the slave people. So... How did they cope with that? They had to learn to cope with all those difficulties and differences and the racial differences and the different views on on worship and the different ideas that were around. And they had to learn to live alongside one another and work together for Jesus and get to know Jesus better together and then discover, actually, do you know, I used to really dislike you, now I love you. I really used to struggle with you. And to be honest, there's still a few bits that I do. But... I recognize what God is doing in you. And people will respond and say, I recognize what God is doing in you. You need each other. So keep meeting with other Christians. Keep sharing with them. Be really, really honest with each other. And open with each other. Where it's difficult. Where you don't understand. Why things happen that sometimes we just can't get our heads around. Horrible things happen to very godly people. Please don't ever think that following Jesus is easy or means you walk into an easy life. Uh, No, never. The, The odds are it will be the reverse. But what we discover is God's presence and the power of the Spirit in the midst of the grot and the grime and the horrors and we discover that he is still in charge even when we can't see it. So you need, we need each other.
I've gone on enough. Have a huge vision of God and what God's vision of the world is and try and get your hopes and dreams in line with God's vision. Recognize that that vision is seen supremely in Jesus and we'll never understand it, we'll never grasp it unless, uh, uh, without Jesus and we have to keep discovering more and more and more of Jesus. We do that through reading the scriptures, we do it through prayer, we do it through sharing with one another, we do it as we serve the world. Because we are, all these gifts are to help us go out and serve the world. We can change the world. But only when we keep God at the centre and keep his vision high in all that we do. Let's be quiet for a moment or two. Lord, we hear your word to us. Keep us faithful, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We stand to sing of God's abounding love. It's here is love, vast as the ocean. <laughs>